0: It's good to be here with you again today. I hope that you're feeling blessed to be here together with God's people as we worship him together and especially as we pay an extra tribute to mothers today. I hope that you as moms are feeling appreciated and special on this day today. Uh, There's many things that have happened in this past week as has already been alluded to this morning and we just want to continue to think of you, Peter and Myrna. We will be praying for you and in the days to come and the weeks to come, we'll be here for you. And uh, we know that it's as we lean on each other that we find the Lord giving us his strength. And we've experienced that again this past week. We are thankful to him for how he's provided. Thank you to you as a church family for the way that you have stood with me in prayer as well. Um, I felt it. I feel it again today. And uh, it's so good to know that God's people are supporting me and, and upholding me in their prayers. So thank you. For that, Would you bow with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have come through a, a trying and difficult week as a church family, and especially we think of the Wolf family. And so, Father, we continue to intercede on their behalf, and we ask for your mercy, we ask for your strength, and for your peace to be with them. We think especially of Tina in her time of loss, and we pray that you would be especially near to her. Lord, we also continue to think of others in our church family who in the past months or years have also lost their spouse. We think recently of of Henry Jansen, and we pray that you would continue to be with him as he continues to adjust to life without Della, walk with him daily, give him your strength and peace. And for all others in our church family, Lord, who have been widowed in the past, we pray that you would continue to walk with them. For we know that to continue to live life alone can be lonely at times, and and they still, there's those times of grief and loss, and so we pray that you be near to them as well. And now, Father, we turn our attention specifically to mothers today, and we pray that whatever stage of life they are at, whether with young children or with children grown and out of the home, that you would give them a special blessing today and continue to equip them and give them wisdom and give them love for their children and for their husbands at whatever stage of life they are. And so we ask for your blessing upon them today. Thank you, God, for your word, and that it is only by your word that we have light for our path, that we know how to navigate the difficult times of life. It is through your word, and we thank you for it. We pray that it would speak to our hearts again today. Guide us by it. Uh, Speak to us by your Holy Spirit and give us ears to hear, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for a very long time, a mother's love for her child has set the bar for what devoted love looks like. It's a stubborn and tenacious sort of love that never quits and never gives up, no matter what their child might Think, say, or do. A mother cannot be compelled to stop loving her child. Let me share with you a true story that exemplifies the highest form of a mother's love for her child. It's a true story of a young mother, age 24, named Ashley Bridges. She was 10 weeks pregnant when she was diagnosed with cancer. Although doctors recommended she start chemotherapy immediately, it would have required her to terminate her pregnancy. She refused. In an interview, Ashley said, There's no way that I could kill my healthy baby simply because I'm sick. Then, at the beginning of her third trimester, Ashley was informed that delaying the treatment had allowed the cancer to spread rapidly. It had gone more aggressively than the doctors had even anticipated. That's basically when they told me that it was terminal, she said. Ashley was then told that she needed to deliver her daughter immediately so that she could start treatment. But she still refused to deliver her child until they could be certain the baby was fully developed and could be born safely. By the time her newborn daughter, she named Paisley, was delivered safely by C-section, the cancer had spread throughout Ashley's body. Even with multiple rounds of chemotherapy, she was given less than a year to live. And when asked why she had willingly sacrificed her health for her baby, Ashley had replied, I felt like I tried so hard to keep Paisley safe and to do the minimum treatment in order to keep her healthy. The thought that I'm not going to see her grow up is really hard. She then paused and shared that what had made it more difficult was that she also had a six-year-old son. And his exact words to her had been, Mom, if you pass away... I want to come with you. And pausing again to wipe away the tears, Ashley said, For whatever reason, maybe I'm not supposed to be here, and she is. But whatever the reason, I have no regrets. I'd do it all again. What an inspiring picture of what the sacrificial love of a mother can look like. And even with the immense love that a mother has for her children... The scriptures tell us that it still cannot compare to the love that God has for us. A mother's love, as great as it is, can only go so far. There are things that she simply cannot do for her children. In Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, our call to worship today, the Lord compares a mother's love for her children to his love for us. And listen to what he says. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, yet I would not forget you. Invariably, for every parent, there comes a time or a season where you have done all that you can for your child. You have taught them, you have fed them, you you have nurtured them, you have disciplined them, and you have done everything that you possibly can and think of and all that remains is to entrust your child, no matter the age, entrust them into the hands of God. Now maybe some of you are here today and you're in a place where you are deeply concerned about your children. Perhaps the situation is beyond your control. But whatever the case, I would like to encourage you today to entrust your children into the hands of Jesus. In our text from The book of Luke, chapter 7 and verses 11 to 17, which Russ read for us earlier. We read of the occasion where from any angle you look at it, a mother has reached the end of her ability to help her son. For quite simply, her son is dead. What more could she do? He's gone. There is nothing more she can do. We can rest assured that this mother has done everything she could to care for her son, to nurture him back to health, to comfort him. But in the end, all of her efforts are in vain. He is dead, and we pick up the story in verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. Now we read those few verses of description and immediately our heart goes out to this poor woman. For our church family knows collectively, and some of you know all too personally, that there is nothing more tragic than a parent enduring the loss of their child. No parent ever expects to outlive their child. When you hold that newborn baby in your hands, you, the thought doesn't even cross your mind that their life could end before yours, but it happens. And this poor woman was no doubt devastated, grieving the loss of her precious child, of which we are informed he was her only child, her only son. And to make matters worse, she was also a widow, which tells us that she had already endured the loss of her husband. And in that time, this meant that this woman had no one left to provide for her. And so unless someone took pity on her, chances are quite high that she would have eventually ended up on the street as a beggar. No husband, no son to care for her. We don't know her age, but if she was elderly, there was no one else to care for her. And we are then informed that a large crowd from the village was with her. And this crowd of mourners were in a funeral procession, and they're headed to the cemetery to bury this young man. Now it was a custom in this day and time for the people of the city to all join in and to mourn together. And the mother would have been at the front of this processional, and those who carried the coffin would be behind her. And the coffin would have been open as they made their way through town. This was the last official viewing for everyone in the community. Following directly behind the coffin would be the mourners. Now, if you've ever seen anything from the Middle East in regards to mourning, there is nothing subdued about it. It is mourning. It is wailing. They are lamenting. They are taking dirt and throwing it in the air. They're, they're pulling on their hair. They're tearing their garments. They are in mourning. Now, some of this would have been genuine, but for others who were actually professional mourners. This is kind of their thing. This is what they would do to add a little bit of whatever, extra lament to this this tragedy. And they would have expected some sort of compensation perhaps for their efforts, these professional mourners. So picture this scene. There's wailing, there's lamenting, there's mourning. And here at the front of this processional is this pitiful figure, this poor mother who has lost her only son, Her husband is gone and she has no one left to care for her. But then just as death and despair and hopelessness are headed out of town, Jesus is headed into town. And the two crowds are on a collision course. We have a funeral procession going out and we have Jesus and his disciples and a whole crowd of people coming in. And now we've got the showdown right in the middle of all this hundreds of people surrounding this scene as witnesses of what was about to transpire verse 13 when the lord saw her his heart overflowed with compassion i want you to just stop and think on that for a moment his heart was so moved it Luke goes so far as to say it overflowed with compassion. Another translation would say his heart went out to her. He was so moved by her plight. He was so overcome with compassion for this poor woman that he just, he just sees her and he feels her pain in, in such a deep and profound way. And then watch what he does. He goes up to her and he says, Don't cry. What? What? Don't cry. This is a, a strange thing to say, is it not? I I can't imagine. I can't imagine this past week going up to one of the family members who just lost their their husband, their father, and, and in their grief saying to them, Don't cry. It almost seems like a callous thing to say. Don't cry. But we know that Jesus is giving this instruction because he knows what's coming next. This lady was not looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for her. And I believe that he timed his arrival into the city of Nain that day perfectly. This was not an accident. This was not a coincidental meeting that day. Jesus timed it for just this moment when she needed him the absolute most. Now, she may not have even known who Jesus was, but rest assured, Jesus knew her. And let me just say, you may not be looking for Jesus today either. You may not even know him. But rest assured that Jesus is looking for you. He knows your name. He knows your need. And his heart is moved by your plight. His heart goes out to you with compassion for your situation just As it was for that poor woman. And now, coming back to it, Jesus just does this strangest thing. He stops the funeral procession and he says to the woman, Don't cry. What a terrible thing to say to a mother at her own son's funeral service. And in the tragic death that we endured this past week, The tears were something that you simply couldn't have stopped even if you'd said the word. Stop crying. It wouldn't have made any difference. And I'm quite certain that Jesus' instruction, don't cry, must have seemed strange to the people present there that day. But Jesus knew something that they didn't. For Jesus didn't just say the words. He went further than simply having pity upon this woman. He saw her need and he did something about it. Things may seem devastating in your life right now. You may be a mother here today who is feeling simply overwhelmed by life. Maybe you feel like your children are slipping beyond your grasp. They're slipping beyond your teaching. Beyond your ability to help them, to steer them, to guide them. But no matter what your circumstances or how hopeless it appears, when Jesus arrives on the scene, he brings with him not only compassion, but he brings with him the ability and the power that we lack. You see, when we come to the end of ourselves, that is where we find Jesus waiting. This is where you should have been all along. You've been trying to fix your problems when you should have been coming to me all along. We come to the end of our ability and we find Jesus waiting with all of the ability of heaven to address our need and to turn our situation upside down let's look at what he does verse 14 and 15 then Jesus walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearers stopped young man he said I tell you get up and then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother How crazy is that? I just read one sentence, and this is just mind-blowing stuff. It's as simple as him saying, I tell you, get up. Doctors try that? That's not going to work. Anyone else tries that? That's not going to work. Jesus does it. says one word, get up. And it says very clearly, and remember, Luke is the author of these words. He's a physician. Luke is a doctor. And he is making it very clear to us, the dead boy not the swooning boy. Not the half-passed-out boy. The dead boy sits up. We're not talking some weird mortis here. Because the very next thing Luke tells us is that he not only sits up, but he begins to talk. Can you just imagine what your heart would have been doing? You're in a funeral possession. I can only imagine. I, I, I'm sorry, but we were in one yesterday. I can't imagine what my heart would do. Can you imagine? Some of you were there. If all of a sudden there's knocking on that on that and he sits up and starts to talk, can you imagine the astonishment, the awe, the wonder, the people fainting? I don't know what would all be going on, but it would be crazy. Just envision that happening at this very moment because the boy sits up, he begins to talk, and Jesus beckons to the mother, and they are restored. I can't even begin to imagine this scene. And just a moment before when Jesus walks up and everyone must have been thinking, this man is crazy. What is he doing? But as crazy as it must have all seemed, it's even crazier when this man, once dead, is alive again. And this is what happens when Jesus arrives on the scene. Sorrow is turned to joy. Darkness is turned to light. Despair is turned into hope for the future. This is what happens when Jesus arrives. My friends, what situation in your life are you just waiting, hoping, longing for Jesus' arrival? To bring to bear the power that you lack. For only Jesus can transform a funeral procession into a victory parade. And those that traveled with Jesus that day had just witnessed a few hours earlier or days earlier the healing of the centurion's servant. But when you walk with Jesus, the miracles never get old. And I'm sure that they were amazed as well. It's one thing to heal someone who is sick, but it's another thing entirely to raise someone from the dead. And what does this miracle show? It shows that nothing is impossible for God. Even death itself is nothing to Him. It's as simple as Him saying, Get up. And now we have to ask the question What was Jesus' motivation for raising this young man from the dead? What was His ultimate goal that day? Well, two reasons are given. The first one is obvious. Jesus was moved by compassion for the plight of the widowed mother, and his heart goes out to her. That is the the first motivation we see. But the scriptures also show us that there was another motive, perhaps even a greater motive, in play as well. In verses 16 and 17, we read this. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. You see, the people who were present realized that they had witnessed a miracle, something that only God himself could perform. They also knew the source of Jesus' power, and so they glorified God. And they proclaimed that God had visited his people that day. And as a result, Jesus' fame spread across the entire region. And we have no doubt that many more people put their faith in him that day because of what he did for that poor mother. You see, the purpose of our lives is to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. It is not to establish our name, but his name. However, too many times we are focused on our problems Our difficulties, our sorrows, our griefs, our trials, our tribulations. And so when we cry out to God, we do so in a selfish manner. We simply want our trials ended. And we don't consider that it is precisely in our trials that God's name can be given the greatest glory. And so when we're in our time of need, do we pray, Lord, fix all my problems? Or do we pray, Lord, glorify yourself in my problems? Lord, glorify yourself in my pain. Glorify yourself in my suffering. And if it be your will that you would bring healing and resurrection and new life, I will give you even more glory, Father. For it is all about you and your glory. And so when Jesus arrives and works a miracle, it was not only for the widow's benefit, though it was principally for her benefit, but not solely. Because ultimately the purpose was so that his heavenly Father would receive glory. For that was why Jesus came. Do you remember what Jesus said in his model prayer? He said, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The glory forever and ever. It's not just a throwaway phrase. It's not just an add-on at the end. No, Jesus meant it. Thine be the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. It is all about God's glory. And great things happened in the city of Nain that day. And when it was over, God received the glory. You see, sometimes Jesus shows up in our lives and he does things that are so amazing that it is obvious where the power came from. He does things that no one else could do. And the fact that he cares and has compassion on us in the process just makes it all the sweeter. Because it's for God's glory and for our benefit. For God delights in blessing us. We receive the blessing and he receives the glory. And I know that there are some of you present today who are hurting and who are still grieving. And I am one of them. But even in our grief, may we give God the glory. For he is deserving. And some of you are here today who are mothers or fathers who are deeply concerned about the situation of your children. Some of you may have children who are struggling with addiction. Some of you may have children who are dealing with depression or anxiety. Some of you may have children who are engaging in premarital activity that they know they shouldn't be. Some of you may have children who are going through divorces and custody battles with grandchildren. Some of you may have children who have rejected God and are living rebellious lives far from him. Some of you may have children who are dealing with serious health issues. And on and on it could go, with many more situations yet to be described. And being a loving parent, you are concerned for them. And many of you are carrying heavy burdens right now today. And you just don't know what to do. You've tried it all. And in many cases, there is simply nothing more that you can do. You may be in the same situation as that widowed woman at the village of Nain. You're at a place where the only answer is for Jesus to arrive on the scene and to do what only he can, work a miracle. And I want you to comprehend the fact today that if that describes you in any way, shape, or form, Jesus sees your need. He is moved by compassion. He knows your name. He sees your sorrow. And as was the case in this story, he will intercede in his will and in his perfect time. He will arrive and bring his power to bear. Now, it may not be exactly when we think or how we think, But believe, have faith, and pray, for there is nothing that you are facing today that Jesus can't handle. If Jesus can handle a funeral procession, there is nothing left that he cannot handle. This young man was dead. It doesn't get any worse than that. But Jesus has the power over life and death. And he has the power over your situation and circumstances as well. Do you believe that today? He has the power. We don't, but he does. Trust Him. Believe and trust Him. Place your children into the hands of Jesus today. Pray that God will be glorified through your circumstances, whatever they are, and that in His time we believe that Jesus will arrive and do as He wills for our good and His Father's glory. And now I know up until now I've been speaking principally to the parents, but I want to take just a moment to speak now to the children, young or old, which would include all of us. Maybe you're listening to this today, and in your heart, you know that your mom and your dad are deeply concerned about you. Maybe you're here today in body, but spiritually, you've checked out. Spiritually, you're as dead as that young man in the coffin. It may be because you've rejected your parents' faith, and in so doing, have rejected God. Or it may be that you've entrusted your life to Jesus once in the past, you made a commitment to Him, but you've strayed so far off the path that you think there's no way home. Whatever the case, let me tell you, Jesus can resurrect your spirit, your heart, and your soul from the dead this very moment so that you can walk in newness of life right now, beginning today. You may not be looking for Jesus, but Jesus is looking for you. He loves you more than you deserve or will ever know, but he does. Even though you may not be calling his name today, Jesus is calling your name. He is looking for you, and I don't care what you think, I don't care what you've done, deep in your heart this moment you know that it's true, Jesus loves you. He's coming to you with his grace and his salvation. And when he arrives, he brings his power to bear, to transform our lives the way no one and nothing else can. And what Jesus did that day in name, he can do for you right here today. So whatever your circumstances, whether parent or child, near to God or a long way off, give your burdens to Jesus. Give your children to Jesus and pray that whether in blessing or pain, joy or sorrow, life or death, God will be glorified in all things. For to him be the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, I glorify your name today, for you are deserving and worthy of all glory, honor, and praise be unto your name. And Lord Jesus, we magnify your name, for it is by your name and only your name that we might be saved. And so, Lord Jesus, we call upon your name and we ask in your mercy would you intercede to the Father on our behalf, even right now? Whatever the circumstances, whatever is being dealt with personally, within families, within hearts and minds right now, Lord, when you bring your power to bear, you bring the ability to turn death into life, pain into joy, sorrow into celebration. And so, Father, if you are speaking to a heart or mind right now by your Holy Spirit, I simply pray Open that heart that it might receive you, that it might yield to you, and find there a sweetness and a joy and a comfort and a peace and a purpose that is far beyond anything that we could come up with on our own. So, Father, bless your people today. Bless each parent represented here today. Bless each marriage. Strengthen them by your presence. Bless each mother. Bless each child, Lord, that your family could be built up, that you would receive glory and honor that this church family could be built up, that we could glorify and honor you, Lord, in this community, that our witness would shine all the brighter to proclaim your name, Lord Jesus, that many more could be brought into your family as well. So bless each one as we go and we celebrate together today as families. May we remember you in all that we say and do. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name.